Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Delete. Another week, another amazing guest. You know the drill, every week I interview someone that I find very interesting. We talk about the internet, creativity and everything in between. So today's guest is Lauren Laverne. She is a radio DJ, TV presenter, an author. She used to be in a band. She's pretty much the coolest person ever and someone that I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a while because I'm so interested in this space of podcasting and audio and I love listening to the radio. I feel like it's the most intimate way of of catching up on the news and also hearing about interviews and um, she's just someone that I really admire. Her career has been so interesting and so successful in so many ways you might recognise her from the Culture Show and also the amazing coverage of Glastonbury Festival every year. I absolutely love the way that she hosts a lot of that coverage for the BBC. And also she currently presents two brilliant radio shows. One is on BBC Six Music and also Late Night Women's Hour. So Late Night Women's Hour is kind of separate from Women's Hour, even though it is part of the BBC Women's Hour thing. But she hosts the Late Night Show, which is really fun. I actually went on the show as a guest not that long ago. And you record at the BBC, you get some Prosecco, you get to meet with the other um, panellists and sort of get to know them a bit really before you go on air and it's it's very friendly but it's also full of debate and discussion and I really really enjoyed it and obviously Lauren is the most amazing host. I wanted to interview Lauren as well because there's some really exciting news to do with Women's Hour which is that Late Night Women's Hour is getting their own podcast which is very exciting because it means they're going to have a totally separate podcast available on iTunes for you to go and subscribe to so go and get the latest episodes on that. In this episode, we talk about why Lauren is one of the co-founders of The Pool, why she wanted to start The Pool. It's one of my favourite websites, so I was really interested to talk to her about that. Um, Advice for young women, the evolution of audio, the joy of having your own radio show, and why privacy really matters in this crazy online world we live in. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I absolutely loved it. And thanks for listening. Here it is. So welcome Lauren Laverne to my podcast. Thank you for having me, I'm so excited. This is so exciting. Also we're back in the room where I first met you for the late night women's hour recording, so I feel comfortable here. Well this is actually the green room, this isn't one of the studios at Radio 4, which is um, one of the decisions we took after a few late night women's hours when we realised that, well I realised that everyone including me was kind of talking a bit too much like they were on Radio 4 on Mm. some of the early programmes that we did so um, we worked quite hard to create an informal atmosphere obviously sometimes it's great to have that kind of formality and structure and you know a kind of sense of circumstance and that's for some topics brilliant but for late night woman's hour which is kind of intimate and sometimes you know quite kind of frank and funny and confessional we wanted to do it somewhere that just felt a little bit more like that this is and this is quite a kind of social room it's the the green room you know where people kind of come and hang out so also I arrived and sat down over there just outside the room and I had Prosecco (laughs) 
So that's yes. like you, yes. you don't feel nervous, really. You just feel no. like you're gonna you're you're gonna be debating with friends. Yeah, exactly. We want it to be a, a conversation. I mean, we kind of try. For me, my equivalent would be you know when you've um, gone out maybe for dinner or you've gone to the pub with your mates and like everyone's done the first bit where you kind of catch up on the official news and you do the headlines for like how everyone is and what's going on with work and all that. And then there's like that point where. <laughs> the real stuff gets yes. discussed me and my friends call there's it, no fluff yeah my yeah. friends and I call it the agenda where you get down to the agenda and it's like okay let's deal with some some stuff and you kind of solve some big life puzzles and I, I kind of I, I always enjoy those conversations yeah. the most and so that's kind of what we're aiming for obviously you know within the the context of whatever subject we're talking about that month yeah and it's so focused like there's a theme and you're gonna tackle it and by the end we all come away feeling a bit like whoa got that off our chest but also the listener will probably learn a lot from it i hope so it's supposed to be about life and you know people's experiences and about ultimately like you know women sharing either what's happened to them or maybe what's worked for them i love the idea that it could be constructive you know for me you can't always if you're discussing a problem you can't always solve that and sometimes actually it's just about people getting their experience out there and sharing it and that can be quite powerful but ultimately it would be great if you know people could come away from the program feeling that either they felt more capable to you know of addressing similar kind of issues in their lives or that they just felt hyped up and ready to go out and get some stuff done yeah because we all need that I think it's so true and also I feel like I'm, I don't mind anymore if someone disagrees because I feel like that's just as helpful sometimes. Yeah. Like you said something and maybe people are like, oh, I don't know, but you have forced me to think about it in a different way. Do you think that you have come to that realisation after doing what you do for a certain length of time though as well? Because yeah. I think I, that's one of the, for me, I feel like that's one of the real benefits of doing this programme and also kind of uh, living online digitally, having the, seeing those debates and discussions like some of that can be uncomfortable you know when people are sort of horrible to you no reason for no reason just for having an opinion sometimes that could be really rough but actually there's another thing that happens when you realize that people disagreeing with you doesn't kill you so yeah you sort of get a bit braver about about being honest and saying what you really think which is a good thing and also it's kind of I can detach someone disagreeing with me and my opinions to kind of not liking me yeah kind of they can be separate whereas before I would think they were the same I'd be like oh you disagree with me so therefore you kind of want me dead and they should be separate but I think also that's a I wonder if a young man would feel the same as you because I think there's there's a, a little bit of a gendered problem there I would say which is sometimes that you know women we grow up with a lot of messages conscious and unconscious about being nice and agreeable and making everybody comfortable and so when we do don't do that or when we choose not to do that, you know, we either feel really selfish or it can feel really difficult. Even if it's a small thing, it can feel like a really big deal. Yeah, but so as soon true. as, the, the more you do it, the braver you get, you know, about it. And, and then actually, you know, you kind of discover that, obviously you wouldn't want to be horrible or rude to anyone, but you're allowed to be direct. And, you know, if, if you just choose that, nobody will die. Like you're yeah, allowed yeah. to have boundaries and you're allowed to have your own opinions and... Oh yeah, that's quite liberating, I think. Yeah. Do you do you find that in your job because whenever I mention your name to anyone the first thing anyone will say is just the cool she has the coolest job. She is the coolest person, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry if that makes you feel weird and awkward, but <laughs> it is true and I think 
it is a cool job you have because you get to talk to people and you've worked so hard over all the years to kind of build this quite unique, multi-streamed career. I love my job. I love my job. I feel so lucky. When I was little, my dad said to me, if you can find work doing something you like, if you get a job doing something you like, you'll never go to work. Mm. And that's so true. You know, even um, though sometimes it can be very busy because I do lots of different things and, you know, you can kind of find yourself in a pinch point where you're doing like a 15-hour day or whatever, and that could be quite intense. None of the, you know, the substance of it isn't work. It's so enjoyable and it's so interesting. So I am, I am incredibly lucky. Yeah, and when, you know, when people say to me, you've got the best job in the world, I mean, I really genuinely have. There is nothing I would rather do. I read one of those articles, you know, that says, uh, how can you tell if you're in the right career for you? And it, it was saying, what would you do if you had three months left to live? And I would definitely want to be on air. Like, not all the time. You know, I would, would want to be with my family, but there are, there are, so many of the insignificant things in your day-to-day life that you think, no, I could do without that. That's but I would so, love yeah. to. I would love to, still love to do some shows, definitely. That's a good test, for sure. Do you feel like you're kind of almost, you're learning quite rapidly because you're having so many conversations all the time, maybe you're, you're getting like bigger like life kind of conclusions more often or anything like that? I'm learning all the time and that is one of the great joys of it. You know, there's a quote, I can't remember who said it, but about journalism that, you know, journalism is essentially getting your education in public and broadcasting, I think, is very similar to that. Um, Because I do a few different things, I've got my Six Music programme, I've got Late Night Woman's Hour, Radio 4, and, um, you know, I also co-founded the website The Pool, so I work on pool stuff some of the time, and then there's other kind of bits and bobs, um, like events hosting and TV and, and other things that I do. When everything's kind of pulling in the same direction, there's an amazing sort of zone you can get into where things are contributing to each other so someone I'll meet at Six Music gives me an idea that I then think oh I could you know that would work for Women's Hour or oh such and such would be such a great fit for the pool or you know and and that has an amazing kind of exciting flow to it when it gets tricky is when everything's kind of you know pulling in different directions yeah but certainly um in terms of learning I think I try and pursue what I'm interested in and to an extent, that means pursuing what you don't know, right? So it's what you have questions about or what you're not very good at. And for me, I think that's really important because what I wouldn't want to do is get too comfortable. Mm-hmm. No danger of that at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, you've got to stay at the edge of what you can do. You know, you've got to keep sort of pushing. And so that means becoming uncomfortable, becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm because that's where you're always going to stay as long as you're still learning because you're always butting up against what you don't know or stretching yourself or kind of getting things wrong. You know, for me, the history of broadcast is actually in Britain, you know, especially somewhere like Radio 4, it's so it can be quite intimidating, you know, because it's this Mm. venerable institution of, um, you know, people who speak in proper kind of radio diction and, and accents that aren't like mine. And... So you have to think, well, if I'm going to do this, I I can't pretend to be that. I can't pretend to be them. I don't fit that traditional mould. So I'm going to have to get comfortable with not fitting in. And even though, like, you know, that sounds 
uh, it, it might sound like I'm trying to make myself sound like a cool rebel and yeah I don't fit the mould it's actually quite hard you know what I mean because yeah. it means always being the odd one out and I think but it's funny you say that because I think a lot of people kind of you're quite synonymous with that kind of radio career mainstream sort of I feel like you are sort of the poster of that Oh, well, but then you've made that happen um, and you, yeah it's kind of nice to hear that even you felt like you didn't fit in at one one time well I tell you what that's it I mean I think now certainly obviously I've done it for a while so people you know it's a self-selecting group of people right the people that know me I'm not going to walk down Oxford Street outside of here and get recognised but the people who well <laughs> but the people who are into the kinds of things that I am broadly yeah. will recognise me and also they're always really nice people so it's quite a nice little kind of self-selecting uh you know section of people um but at the beginning you know when I first did radio like I really didn't fit because the only way to be and actually it was tv that I did first before radio but you know in broadcasting in the 90s you were kind of either a ladette or um you know you were sort of doing shoots in lads mags and things and mm. while you know I would never say there was anything wrong with either of those things if it's a, they certainly weren't who I was and so it's not like anybody put an ad in the paper going we're looking for a lady <laughs> nerd who's likes leopard print and obscure seven inch singles you know that just sort of didn't happen so you have yeah. to uh, it took quite a while to like find my little niche mm. And the powerful thing about it was when I first started doing radio and I was at a station where, you know, it was quite kind of blokey. There were some amazing people there, but it was quite a blokey atmosphere. You know, it just was. Um, there was a, I remember one of the, one of my colleagues would greet everyone with hello bitches. <laughs> and I laugh about it now with, you know, with someone else that I work with. It was just, what? You know, it was, it was a different time. It really, really was. And, uh, you know, kind of got in there and had a really good time, lots and lots of fun. But as soon as I started broadcasting, I realised that actually there were so many other people like me, women like me out there. Mm. That was brilliant. You know, that gives you yeah. the kind of confidence to keep going. I remember even when I started at Six Music, which is, you know, nearly 10 years ago now, um, I was doing a, the mid-morning show and for the first time and I'd said something about to a mum on maternity leave. I think it was something like... I love it when babies review the singles. <laughs> so, like, if a single has got, if a track has got your kid to sleep, or you know, yeah. your, your little toddler really likes this one, or, or something, let us know. And I remember this mom getting in touch and being like, "Nobody's ever spoken to me before." You know, what I'm like, I've been yeah. on maternity for for however long, and um, you know, I've never heard anybody speak to us, speak to my group. I'm like, that's me, and yeah. that that was a very kind of powerful thing. And I thought, okay, so I need to work to make this inclusive and mm. you know for all sorts of different people not just women but in all in as many ways as I can and um so that was a big lesson yeah because radio and podcasts I feel I I have a lot of feedback from people saying oh it's so nice to listen to something at like 3am when I'm breastfeeding and I can't sleep and mm. radio has always been that comfort to pe helping people through things yes definitely and it's also to do with the fact that it's right in your ear I mean radio is so much more intimate than anything else you know yeah. if you are watching tv and someone that you don't like comes on you just turn over but if someone that you don't like comes on your favorite podcast 
podcast or your mm. or your favorite radio station like you take it really personally and yeah. i think that's something to do with the fact that it is this p- single person to single person conversation yeah. you know george orwell called it the audience of one you know that, that's the most important thing to remember about broadcasting is that you are always speaking to people one at a time you know it's never hello everyone it's always hello to that individual yeah. person and you must people must feel like they know you quite well because of that in a way because your voice is so distinctive well we had a funny thing i did a, an ob outside broadcast sorry at, um <laughs> a library and this mum came down and she brought her kids and they had grown up they were you know little toddlers maybe three and one and they came over to see me straight away because they recognized my voice because they just grown up with you know the the program on in her house um so yeah it is funny you do have a connection with people and of course you know to an extent people do know you because mm-hmm. they they kind of hear you talking for three hours a day and and yeah so they therefore kind of get little bits of information about your life i think though that i'm friendly but private you know i definitely have um things that i kind of keep private and mm-hmm. and you know, a kind of private life. Yeah, I think that's important, important as well for your important. own sanity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. And I feel like people shouldn't feel entitled to know too much about one person. It's not fair, really. I'm sure it's not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was wondering if there was a difference for you between TV and radio, because I find personally writing and podcasting allows me to not really be so self-conscious about my lips. It's not really... No one cares really what you look like with a podcast, really. For and sure. for a woman, that's quite. Liberating. I think that's quite liberating. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I would I would guess that, apart from that, the intimacy that I was just talking about, that that the the medium has, which makes it the best thing. Like, honestly, I think anyone who's any good, if they do lots of different things, the really good people love radio the mm. best. Like they just do. It's the best fun you know you get to kind of do whatever you like you have more autonomy and more control over where the conversation goes or the music that you play or or whatever it is than in any other medium tv's a Mm. bit like going to a really great party and having a brilliant chat with a lot of different people radio is like that deep dive deep time with the people that you love the most it just doesn't compare tv's fun you know it's really really good fun but also you're working with big teams bigger teams of people usually and everybody has uh kind of um things that they need out of that broadcast and if you're the presenter then your job is effectively to just deliver those to kind of you know present that content as we say these days (laughs) in you know the best way you can so they make the cake and you kind of put the cherry on top that's more or less what that is yeah but I think you know radio is is just a a different thing and certainly I think though uh, you know early on that was probably what I loved about radio was that you are you know literally disembodied and that there's nobody kind of judging you or um you know pre-judging you or having expectations that are based on what you look like yeah and and that is you know it is Obviously, it's the way it should be, but it isn't the way it is in real life, is it? Yeah. And what and what have you seen change over the years with kind of audio? Because I'm guessing, well, actually, that ties in well to the fact that the late night women's hour is going to be a podcast. Yes, it's a and totally podcast. Yeah. So what? 
I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about this. It is amazing. Well, yes. So you can just get it wherever you usually get your podcast. Just search Late Night Woman's Hour. Do rate us if you can. Please give us a thumbs oh, up. Oh yeah, that, that would be lovely. Really helps. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and yeah, you can you can download it. You know, we've got our own page. Where it was a little bit tricky to find before, but now that we've got a standalone podcast, you know, once yeah. a month you'll get a new episode if you subscribe. And yeah. Oh, that's gonna be so good because in the yeah, in the old format it's kind of in between other the other women's women's broadcasts yeah. which is great it's good to be kind of part of that family but yeah. i think we just needed our own it needed to be easier to find mm-hmm. basically which is really really good yeah yeah i mean so much has changed you know it's interesting doing a program because obviously for us we do you know the program does go out on air but it's really a digital first proposition mm-hmm. i think because you can get the full version, which is an hour long rather than the half an hour that we get on air. And usually, you know, you can get it the day before. So yeah. you kind of get it earlier if you're a subscriber and you get the full fat kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting thing, you know, that a change that's come about. When I first started mm-hmm. doing radio, you know, I remember doing my very first show, which was covering for Steve Lamack on Radio One's evening mm-hmm. session and sitting there preparing to segue... Um, in the Navy uh, by the village people into a Mogwai track Um, (laughs) thinking like why are they letting me do this like this is just I'm just in a room there's nobody telling me what to do this is insane where is everyone (laughs) like but loving it and kind of being sort of high on those fumes of freedom as well um, you know, and you, and you would kind of play stuff out of, we were playing dats out in those days and then people would ring in, you know, I remember the days oh of like God, phone-ins yeah. and stuff. And uh, and obviously you know, the internet and the digital revolution changed everything. But then also it's, it's kind of very exciting that it gives new life to radio. You know, look at the kind of podcasting movement and the amazing creativity that that is there. I find, you know, I think that is as a broadcaster I find that the most exciting work that anybody's doing at the minute you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's looking at the, the the boundaries of what we can do with podcasting and you know with audio design and all that sort of stuff I just think yeah. it's really really exciting yeah it's an interesting one as well that you can kind of straddle the, the mainstream world so I think it's really important to learn from the best of the best like coming into somewhere like this you're kind of surrounded by people who are the best but then also you can sort of go and do your own thing, which is kind of what you've done as well with the pool and you're then in charge of your own content as well in many ways. I think it's it's really important to remember that you can always do something that other people can't. You know, mm. e- even when you're, uh, yeah, you come into somewhere like Radio 4 and obviously, as you say, you have these incredible kind of, you know, producers and engineers and broadcasters and, you know, journalists and everything else all working together wow amazing but actually they can't do this kind of DIY Mm. conversation that taps into you know what you're tapping into and speaks to the audience that you're speaking to in the way that you can you know you can offer something that that unique and you can make a decision very quickly as well and not have to like get sign off from exactly you know you're kind of lighter on your feet when when there's only one of you so doing something DIY always has a certain kind of um energy about it that if you're in a big institution just mm. because of the fact that you're in a big institution and there's a bigger team of people working together you know you have a different process so the end result is different and sometimes that can be bad sometimes that can be really really good so you just have to sort of bear that in mind and yes yeah, certainly for, for the pool you know that one of the reasons that that came about when I was, Sam Baker and I were, were first developing the site was that 
we felt like I kind of felt like there was a lot of just content that I wanted to see that wasn't out there mm. so we were going to have to make a place to put it and we yeah. did literally start with like I think you know there were like three or four of us in a tiny little office you know I was sitting with my laptop <laughs> on a shelf typing you know what I mean it was like so so kind of unbelievably DIY yeah. and small and then now uh, congratulations on your award thank you so very many. much yeah we won we won four lovies the other day which is really exciting and we won so a webby in April which is amazing we flew to New York to pick that up that was incredible. We were like, there was only us in the BBC, the only British winners um, at the Webby Awards. Wow. And you get to make a five-word speech. Oh, yeah. And I did notice that those two, those two winners, we were the only ones who said thanks <laughs> as one of our words. How British of you. Everyone else was like, build cool <laughs> shit, get paid. <laughs> E.g. Uh, but no, actually, not everybody was like that. So like Solange came up and she did an incredible speech. She, she sang the loonies. I got five oh on it. God. But with like about 28 grace notes for every single syllable. And it was Whoa. one of the best things I've ever seen a human do. It was incredible. Oh, my God. So does everyone have to do the five-word Everyone word does the five-word speech. That is, that is one of the rules. Because I think they stream bits of it. On Twitter, some yes, yes. I love exactly. that you flew to New York for to deliver five words. I know it was quite, you know, uh, it was got to. You got to be in the room. I feel like awards. That's the reason. Like was, the good part of it as well is that you're around everyone. Exactly, and it was also one of those things where it was like, look, if we don't go and do this, you know, you've got to take a minute sometimes, haven't you? To because yeah. it's so easy to just always go. Oh, that's great. What's the next thing? Yeah. And some we just felt like even though it was only forty eight hours yeah. or whatever we just have to kind of like do this because everybody worked so hard to get mm. there and it was for the team as well if we yeah. could have taken all of them we we would but we yeah. couldn't afford well that. especially <laughs> what you were just saying about you know like the diy nature of being on the floor and not having a desk and then suddenly you you kind of get a bit of a validation that means actually this is kind of really working i think it's funny isn't it because in in media or sort of the jobs i do um often you can't you don't get that official there is no official kind of marker of um something significant happening and awards are quite a nice way of i don't know how official they are but they're just quite a nice way of going hey well done two thumbs definitely that thing was good we thought so yeah and so i think you know even though you you take them in the spirit with which they're intended which Mm. is that you know if you don't get it, well, just move on to the yeah. next thing. But I always think it's a bit like, because I host quite a lot of awards mm. as part of my work. I just think it's a bit like having a birthday. Like when some, it's someone else's birthday, you don't get really annoyed and go like, oh, yeah. I can't believe it's Kev's birthday. <laughs> I'm much better than Kev. Why isn't it my birthday? Like, but when it's your birthday and people are congratulating you on yeah. it, don't be an idiot about that either. Don't be like, yeah. oh, man, I don't care. Just be like, yeah, it's my birthday. Thanks. Definitely. And I feel like, <laughs> A lot. I, this whole kind of like supporting other people, like people like to say it, but I'm like you actually have to practice it as well and mm. actually be genuinely supportive of others. And I think yeah. genuinely, when someone does something well in your in your industry or not in your industry, it's like okay, that that's good for everyone because yes. it means everyone's sort of proving that they can do their own thing. Do you know Quite what? Exciting. As well, I just think like you have a nicer life if you choose to be supportive and encouraging of other people mm. who are in your field. Just in my experience, it makes your own life better. You know, I remember when I first started out when I was in my early twenties doing broadcasting and you know, I met a couple of people who were like really difficult and 
were threatened by everybody and everything and it just made them very hard to work with and actually that was the norm at the time and I remember kind of thinking oh well you know maybe when I have a radio show that's on every day like maybe I'll just start being like that maybe that's what it does to you maybe it's the stress of the daily broadcast and do you know what it's honestly just not if you've been an arsehole you're just being an arsehole you mm. don't see people who you don't see surgeons who are leaning over someone's chest cavity <laughs> like you know doing open yeah. heart surgery being horrible to the people that they're or working looking with. at the next surgeon what they're doing uh, you know what i mean yeah. or like yeah. you just don't see it doesn't happen you don't see people in uh, in a and e behaving like that so if you're a presenter like really just just wind your neck in and be encouraging mm. but also you know it also struck me that actually those people are really unhappy you know mm. they they feel bad all the time so it's a, if you can you know put yourself in a place where you encourage other people and you get excited about the people that are kind of coming up alongside you and it, like the whole point again of, of the pool was that I was looking at TV which is where I learned um, as much as I did <laughs> learn about broadcasting I learned in TV largely because I had TV experience first way before radio and I was like where are the girls that are younger than me you know because all that kind of mid-level cable telly where you used to go and learn how to how to do anything whether you're Simon Amstel doing links with a puppet on Nickelodeon <laughs> or you know me doing six pop shows in a day on UK play or whatever you learn to do the job and and all that had gone because of digital obviously there are some amazing youtubers out there and people kind of podcasting and and you completely learn the skills there as well but i just wanted to kind of be able to create a place where some yeah. people could get their first jobs That's you know so, the first so true yeah because i know that there's so many people that look up to a lot of people like you included but you can't really copy your your way in anymore no it's kind of a bit i like... wouldn't get my job now are you kidding like the, you know the the um younger people that, that come in at six and and they'll be on um they'll have applied centrally and if you're listening at home and you are interested in getting into radio and you want to apply for work experience at the bbc you do it all centrally and you know they, they come around and they they'll kind of be on the show for a week or something just doing bits and bobs and you know they've they're all more qualified than i am they're all you know they're all broadcast students they're all and uh yes so the the way in that i i i kind of had this lateral move in from being in a band mm. to being i on, love that when you can you can so like sidestep your way around can't you and it all makes sense in hindsight i, I think when you look back it sounds a lot more sensible it's really just about <laughs> following what's interesting but you know yeah. being in a band so therefore being invited on shows like Nevermind the buzzcocks or whatever and there's quite a lot of that kind of tv around at the time someone offers you a presenting gig you're, i'm like oh this is good and then i just loved it and then as soon as i got into a radio studio that was just like I was just desperate to do that as much as I could. Did you feel like you were, like, the woman for a long time? Like, on shows like that? Like I, on Sherlock Holmes, the woman. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I remember when I was younger, like, watching those shows and being like, thank God, at least you were on there, because it was a bit kind of, well, you know, lacking of, of the ratio, really. It's funny, isn't it? Yes, I mean, I think definitely I have been the only woman on a lot of the things that I've done, and that's, you know, what I was talking about earlier in the, the, the radio industry when I first started out was very male dominated mm -hmm. um and it still is you know there's still a, a big imbalance there i don't know how much has changed structurally it's nice uh, that you never like changed yourself though because it's like the leopard print the red lipstick like the hair like you you, you don't have to be 
less feminine in those situations, like you say. It's that, what's the Marilyn Monroe quote, you know, be yourself, everyone else is already mm. taken. Yeah. You, you, you sort of might as well. Um, and also, I think for me personally, um, I felt it was important to represent the culture that I come from. And I mean that in the most kind of individual sense, which is like about, you know, being from a, a kind of particular interest group in music you know the the sort of music that i grew up with the the musical culture and alternative culture but also you know where i'm from in the northeast and my own kind of little mm. family history and things like that so you've got to sort of be yourself yeah. and not not take too many of the edges off mm -hmm. just because other people don't like them but then i've certainly had a lot of flack for that you know i remember when i was presenting the culture show and um you know there were kind of reviews which was like saying that Oh, just saying that I didn't know who Bark was and I wore too much eyeliner and all this kind of thing. And it, you, it's just like, it was really ridiculous. But then my response to that was just to like put more eyeliner mm -hmm. on. Yes. Because I, I did, you know, because I, I know I knew my stuff. I, I knew. Yeah. And what they were saying wasn't true. But I wasn't going to kind of, you know, just try and be some highlighted, you know, TV lady wearing ochre just yeah, to yeah just because anything else upset them but there's there's something very contagious about seeing someone be themselves i think do you think yeah it, it's not necessarily like you want to go and copy them you just want to go and copy copy yourself yeah <laughs> just wanna, you just want to take that the vibes of that person just being themselves it's really freeing you know somebody who uh likes who they are is very powerful mm. and that's quite an intoxicating thing to watch you know yeah. it is a, you know for human beings we are kind of pack animals aren't we mm. and actually to see someone standing up and or even I just think being brave you know that's one of the things I love about my job is when you get to interview someone who's sort of done something in small and incredible mm. it's those little amazing things that you just you know it really really can can blow you away and, and often it's about uh, someone standing up and being brave uh, whether that means um, saying I don't know you know mm, or yeah. or speaking truth to power or you know just an ordinary person who's done an incredible thing because nobody else would you know mm. we come across those stories all the time and in doing this job and they're always the most moving thing but it's yeah. a version of that isn't it if yeah. you're kind of standing up and, and doing your thing and being your authentic self and liking it no matter what other people are telling you yeah mm. it's yeah. cool it's so good when when we did the late night women's hour we mm -hmm. were talking about work and rest mm -hmm. and i wanted to be i wanted to ask you questions on that but you were you were doing the questions but i wanted <laughs> um like you say you need balance in life and mm -hmm. to work and to and to be private but also to take time off mm -hmm. but i wanted the pool is so on the pulse like i love it and i love the emails of the roundups and like the Sunday supplements and obviously you've changed a lot about the digital landscape of how you consume content like the how many minutes it is all of that stuff I just love the time search yeah that's oh, good so the, good but everything's how, marked up so you know how long you've got to spend on it that's yeah a good, that was a good idea that was a really good idea and um and so kind of different at the time but I feel like everyone's now got used to that but yeah a lot of people are doing that. it now well, thank you but um how do you then 
how does the pool maintain its kind of all-seeing eye and how do you kind of not go insane on the internet and well, it's overwhelm? thanks to an incredible team, you know, is the answer, which has mm. grown exponentially since we first started out. You know, first it yeah. was just the three of us and, and a, a printer that wouldn't cooperate, but obviously <laughs> we still haven't won the printer round, to be honest. It still has its off days. But... Um, it's you know now it's it's a very big team and it's grown so much you know I'm I'm uh, got a kind of editorial role that's an editor at large and specifically supporting the AV team as much as I can at the minute which is really wonderful um, but I'm not at the call face in the same way as I was at the very beginning right, yeah and that that was always what I wanted because the whole point of it is to you know create something that will employ all of these amazing people that that it now that it now employs so it's part of um are you kind of like a reader of it now sometimes in a way like you'll kind of follow it well i wanted it to be there because i wanted to read this that stuff so yeah 100 percent. i mean obviously i am connected enough to kind of know what's coming up and you know this week for example for our um subscribers who subscribe to the editor circle um, I'm doing the editor's circle email and you know mm-hmm. so I'm kind of very connected with what's going on in that sense and I'll kind of know what we've got coming up and have that yeah. slightly you know more more uh, editorial involvement that gives me that view on it so I'm ne- you're never 100% a reader mm-hmm. because I'll read something Zoe Beatty's written and you'll be like oh this is so she's so good and you know yeah. I'll kind of know what she's done that week or whatever yeah um but yeah, you know, absolutely, it's all about the team who are just the most extraordinary bunch of insanely talented young women mm-hmm. that are hard-working, um, exciting young women. And for me personally, I think that's been the loveliest thing about it because I'd never, ever been anyone's boss before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't know what that would be like. And it's actually been the most rewarding bit. You know, sometimes it's it's been really difficult, um, especially when the business is very young and kind of growing and it's mm-hmm. a little bit more kind of nascent, fragile, and you're like, oh, is this all going to be okay? Oh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> but actually, the, it's the most invigorating thing to spend time with. You know, it's, with millennials get mm-hmm. such a bash in, but they are, the younger women that I work with are the most engaged interesting smart talented group of people i think that i've ever met and they give me so much hope for the future in the face of what can be quite a kind of you know depressing mm-hmm. news landscape yeah i just think you know it's it's one of the most exciting things and on difficult days and days when it has been very overwhelming i mean if, you know a while back when i was much more involved day to day that's the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning is yeah. them you know yeah it's it's amazing it is kind of spooky sometimes when I'm on there I'm like someone's just like crawled into my brain and written something yeah. Marissa Marissa Bay is in amazing lot. I'm yeah. like I'm yeah. the same person this is so yeah. weird but um yeah, it's funny because I always thought I wasn't really a team person, but then you, but then you find a team that you love. And you're like, oh no, yes. I am a team person. Yeah. I just, I was in the wrong team. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, so oh. thank you so much. I had one other question which I always ask at the end of every episode, which is, um, what are you excited about for the next coming months? I guess 
for 2018 it would be a better question, seeing as we're in November. Well, I'm very excited about um, the Late Night Women's Hour podcast, obviously, yes. and that going, um, you know, having our own little page where people can subscribe. We've got some great shows planned for 2018, kicking around some New Year's ideas at the moment, actually, um, which I've read a couple of books about um, that, are, that have inspired me for New Year. So I wonder about, we might do a show on happiness, but we'll have mm. to wait and see. Um, is it a neoliberal construct? Question mark. Mm. Discuss the happiness oh industry. God. I think people are really interested in that. Well, there was a really interesting book that I read, um, w- which was um, all about happiness. But the author, it's absolutely incredible, um, she said uh, she thinks that the happiness industry is basically a giant industry that's focused on kind of selling happiness as this absolutely complete individual responsibility like we're all irrespective of our circumstances responsible for our individual happiness and it's generated from somewhere inside of us and it just doesn't matter what else is going in on in your life or your economic circumstances or anything you're responsible for your own happiness and actually that's such a dark thought you know when you really look at it that way that's what i've always been told yeah it's like an internal what like a, a yeah, wellspring that just randomly yeah. bubbles up even if you're pulling like quadruple shift at burger king you're supposed to be able to be just oh. as happy as the person who is you know Mm. sitting in the chauffeur driven car outside like how does that work and it's like this idea that you have to be passionate all the time I was Mm. reading something about this recently actually about um, you know Pret I think is you're rewarded for your happiness at work how unfair that you every single person has to wake up and be happy on top of everything else I mean this is my question I should just do the work I'm kind of thinking maybe for new year that's what we want to discuss Mm. the unhappiness of trying to be happy Um, but yes the book was very good I'll remember what it's called in a minute Um, but yes I'm very excited about that Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, 2018 for all sorts of musical reasons as well there's some incredible artists releasing records in the new year if you're looking for a new release I would recommend a musician called Tusks who's just released an album called Dissolve she is a solo artist if you think James Blake in a jumpsuit, you're kind of ballpark. Wow. She's my new fave. Um, so yes, there are all sorts of oh, brilliant new records coming out in 2018 as well. Love it. God, every day must be really different for you. Because either you're discovering a new musical inspiration or you're having a conversation you've never had before. It's like... I think I'm very lucky that you're always talking... I'm always talking to interesting people and, you know... Really, my work is essentially it's about ideas, isn't it? It's it's whether somebody is in the room. I was just talking to an old friend of mine who was a guest on my show today and he just brought in his record box and we talked about his life and his music that, that he's been making for 20 years. Um, and it's kind of, it's like that. It's These are the ideas that I think are important and that I want to share. And, oh, that person is interesting and, and has mm. some stuff to say so you kind of bring them in and you have uh, you know kind of give them a platform and that's the thing that that's the thread that runs through all of it yeah and it's just different mediums and and like vessels almost for yes them to exactly. be shared yeah 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 and and so therefore it is it's always different and it's always interesting and it's always challenging and you know I will always get bits of it wrong I will always you know I will never do anything to my satisfaction ever mm. But I'm becoming more comfortable with that as I get older. And also I kind of feel like like I've got this thing that I've talked about with my friends where a lot of us are the only one. You know, you were talking about being the token woman earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
there are the ones of us who kind of from my generation got through and kind of made it to the table right there's this a bit of a often can be like a head girl syndrome where you were that you get everything right and you do all the things and you get there and actually when you eventually reach whatever destination you're trying to, to go for whether it's the boardroom or the microphone or whatever it is the temptation is to, you know, get 10 out of 10 and get an A star and just please everyone and do everything absolutely perfectly. And I kind of think there's a bit of a responsibility to, to be imperfect, to be seen, to be fallible. Otherwise, it's, it's kind of not fair on the people who are coming up. You know, they've got yeah. to see you as a human being who can improve and has strengths and weaknesses and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, I'm, this is not me giving an excuse for being <laughs> shit at my job, but... You know, I, I kind of think you can overpolish things and you have to be honest about the fact that... A little sometimes, bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know. And, you know, in my job, it, the the default is supposed to be that if you're the presenter, you know everything and you are merely sharing a few of gems of your wisdom with your audience. And I've never really liked broadcasters who do that. The people who I really like mm. are always kind of sharing the, their enthusiasms or following their curiosity alongside their audience yeah and it's a big difference isn't there I feel like now especially with everything like tech advancements all the time no one can truly know the answer to everything at the moment anyway it's almost like you used to have this career ladder and used to be really experienced and know everything and now it's like well even the people up there don't know everything mm. but I think certainly there's an, there's an interesting uh, thing for young 20 somethings now which is that the people who are senior to them don't know as much about the world that they're they're kind of looking at that generation mm. to that generation for answers. And often you kind of see the generation who are literally in charge, the kind of 50 and 60 somethings, and they're looking at the really big problems mm. like climate change and going, I don't know, <laughs> like, yeah. can someone invent an app? <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, it's kind of switched. And, and that wasn't the case when I was in my 20s. And I think... I, so I can understand, you know, when people kind of say, oh, this snowflake generation and that, you know, like this, this anxiety from the, the millennial generation, what's it about? Well, one of the things that it's about is about the, the fact that the, well, gro- the, the grown-ups yeah, the are going, I have yeah. got no idea where this is going. What, yeah. what's, what's happening? I think there must be a direct correlation between the breakdown in trust and anxiety, for sure. Because yeah. if you can't trust 100% the people who you thought were the grown-ups... I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. It is. It's. It's obviously it's a multifaceted issue, isn't it? But got to be part of it, you know. Mm. And the landscape that we're all living in, which is extremely hectic and and can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. And but it's. It's. The I younger love, you are, the more you're in. You're swimming in that water all the time, of course. Yeah. But I loved your honesty as well about uh, with the work chat about how, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to get better at your job and slow down. You can always be you know in the peak of your career and actually be really busy i mean it really you know my my mate who was on my show today he is a dj and a producer and a musician and a label boss and all these different things and i we've known each other since we were teenagers and i said to him you know where does this work ethic come from and he just went well i just don't think it's work it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like work and that's the same as me you know it's what my dad said to me that I said right at the beginning you know find a job you love and you'll never go to work it's yeah it's partly that and, also and it's a bit of a weird question I think I suppose. and an assumption because people say it about like Adele don't they they're like mm. why is she making another album she's got enough money she's got and it's like 
no, 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 it's not about that. She has to make music. Well, yeah, well, and interestingly that people would say it about Adele, but not necessarily about you too. Like, yeah, well, you've got all the money. What are you yeah. going on tour for? It's like, yeah, actually, I wonder if there's a, a little bit of a uh, uh, kind of sexism at play. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd be crap at retiring. I mean, what would I do? What would I do if I was just going to be off all the time, just like play golf? It's I'd- weird that retirement used to be success. I would quite like to retire uh, in in the manner of like Bob Hope in the 1940s. I mean, I think you can definitely aspire to having a healthy work-life balance and, you know, to to being in control of both. Mm -hmm. But I suppose that's my, my family... We never went on holidays or anything like that. And my mum's generation, definitely when my mum was growing up, you know, they never went on holiday and people just went to work all the time. And it's just, so that kind of, I suppose it's an industrial mentality mm. has sort of followed me. You know, you're busy and you, you do things and you want to contribute whatever it is that you can contribute. Yeah. And not necessarily just at work. Like, you, you know, that I'm like that in my home life. Mm. which is really annoying actually it is odd to be totally <laughs> frank with you one of the things that annoys me the most about myself because I can't kind of not be like that mm. I'm always thinking about oh I could do this oh what about that oh, that's yeah. interesting. you know and it's it's quite a kind of uh, it can be a bit frustrating for the people around you who do just mm. want to kick back but actually it's always interesting mm. I'm like that and I almost feel like I'm not going to apologise for it anymore because no I, 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 you know people can make you feel guilty for not doing enough or doing too much and it's like we're all different and we all got our different levels of what, what, what we want to do if you feel like you're in your lane and it feels fun and engaging and challenging then that's brilliant what could be better than that that's a good note to end on yeah <laughs> thank right. you so much thank you thank you cheers